So, Dan, and at this point in time, what I'm looking forward to next divisional round, like a year from now, like one year from now, is what we will get to see at the very end of the game from Mike McCarthy in a giant playoff game. You know, we've seen the draw. We've seen now Zeke under, uh, uh, you know, at center. What will what will next year be? Will they put, yeah. you know, will they put uh, will they put uh, you know Dalton Schultz at center and Zeke at quarterback with maybe Dak spread out wide? Uh, will they do only wide receivers for an offensive line? I don't know, but all I know is Mike McCarthy will think of an incredibly dumb way for his Cowboys season to end next year, and I can't wait for it. The gift that keeps on giving, right? I mean, really absolutely is. amazing. Uh, just really uh, the late. I mean, especially after like the season he had with all the doubters and everything, to be able to, uh, you know, put together a playoff win and, um, you know, and still fight and claw uh, despite not having Dak for a long time. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know what? Actually, Mike McCarthy uh, is probably a decent coach and he's doing things just fine. And then, uh, you know, he follows uh, all of that up with uh with putting a ridiculous formation out there for the final play of the game it didn't the only thing that would have made sense in that if it was literally an instant throw but it was like Dak was like waited a few seconds too it was like they were wait it it wasn't a a clear uh, this is going to this guy every time this play happens no he was like trying to read the situation I'm like in those situations like you got Zeke getting a bulldozed by a middle linebacker at full speed. You're going to have to get that ball out quick. That was, I don't know what the thought was there. What was so great about to me was they lined up in the formation. Then the Niners called the timeout and you think, all right, fine. They're going to, they did that to, you know, and then they're going to come back and they line up again. Like, Oh, they're really good. This is what's happening. This is their brilliant end of the game play. Uh, I was just, um, it was something else, but, uh, obviously we, we, uh, We'll have to wait and see. I, I don't know if the what the Cowboys offseason will look like and where the Cowboys will be next season. I hope I get to watch them implode in the playoffs again because it's just so yeah. much fun. Uh, but, Dan, um, uh, so many questions for a lot of the losing teams from divisional round. And uh, for the winning teams, you look at it and you, st- you, have, uh, you have to be excited if your team won, but there's a couple big injuries. There's an ankle. We're on ankle watch 2023 uh, right. Mahomes, And so uh, a yeah. ton of storylines heading into this weekend. Seriously. No, it was a uh, kind of a wild uh, divisional round with uh, some maybe unexpected outcomes or at least uh, unexpected performances in this one. And we had some, you know, really interesting storylines going into the week as well so excited to get into this let's get to our divisional recap episode here on the football lounge All right, Mark. So it was uh, quite uh, the weekend there. Saturday and Sunday games were done with the Monday night football nonsense for the postseason play, which I'm very thankful for. Yep. Um, but we had some really good matchups uh, throughout the whole weekend. Uh, I thought uh, Saturday's games, I-, I was really looking forward to the Jags and the Chiefs, not so much the Giants-Eagles, and we'll get to that. That that game, obviously the lone uh, blowout of the weekend, really. Um, although there was another uh, close to blowout, I'd say as well on Sunday, uh, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Obviously, 
going to spend some time here recapping these games, recapping uh, what these um, what the future for some of these teams may hold uh, following these performances this postseason. Then we'll get a little bit into um, dipping our toes into the AFC and NFC championship games. Although, of course, you want to follow our Facebook and Twitter feeds for our final predictions as it gets a little bit later in the week and we find out some more information about injuries and things like that. But let's start things off with the first game of the weekend, Mark, the Chiefs playing host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, the Chiefs in their first playoff game of the season, having that one seed in the first round by Jacksonville coming in off of that, you know, highly emotional, uh, unexpected and incredible comeback victory over the Chargers in the opening round. So they were bringing some, uh, momentum into this game, but Arrowhead, you know, is one of the toughest places to play. I think you could really hear uh, just the influence that the crowd had in this game throughout just watching it. I mean, y- you could tell Arrowhead's just different. Uh, even from the broadcast, you can't really mute out that influence uh, that they had in there. But uh, overall, the Jags put up a good fight. Patrick Mahomes put up a hell of a fight. Yeah. After uh, getting his ankle rolled up on what was that second quarter, early second quarter, ended up, you know, going to the sidelines, running back on to kind of help uh, push his team to score. And then uh, in comes Chad Henney to lead a, a 96 yard touchdown drive. It's incredible. After that, uh, which was quite amazing. Uh, actually, was that that might have been a field goal drive? No, Mahomes is uh, coming back onto the field was the field goal. And then uh, Henney and caps it off with the touchdown after 96 yards. So really impressive stuff. Obviously Mahomes had to go in for the ankle injury comes back out. The second half was clearly limited, but was able to put 10 points uh, on the board for the chiefs and they escaped with a 27, 20 win. It really didn't feel like the Jaguars were in control of this game at any point. It did feel like Kansas city kind of had that from the start. They got out to that early lead, but Mark, you got to give Jacksonville credit for making this a seven-point game. You know, Chiefs were favored to win by nine, uh, so Jacksonville beats the spread. I, I'm just curious what your thoughts were from a Jacksonville perspective, and then from a Kansas City perspective. Obviously, with the way Mahomes battled when his team needed him the most in this one. Yeah, well, first off, I'll start with Jacksonville. I thought their one chance to really win this game um, was to completely dominate with their. They have a solid defensive front. If they were able to dominate with the defensive front, I thought they they had a chance to maybe pull an upset. And then obviously when Mahomes goes down, you're immediately thinking to yourself like, "Oh my God, here's Jacksonville's chance. Can they can they find a way to uh, to get ahead here?" And that Chad Henney drive settled everything down, and it was like, "Oh okay, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win this football game." Um, the game went how I predicted it, minus the injury, in the sense that I I predicted that Jacksonville backdoor cover, uh, you know, and so I felt good about that. I left the game feeling if I'm if I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, you have to leave the game feeling really, really solid in the sense that you are now you now feel like, hey, this is our division. We have we've already know we're adding a, a, a dynamic offensive piece in Calvin Ridley next year. You've already made that trade, so you already know you're going to be better as a start of next year on offense. Um, and can this offense now another year under Doug Peterson, another year in the system, like? What's that next step? Like Jacksonville seemed a little overmatched in this game. And I'm not saying that next year they're going to come and they're going to beat a Kansas city in Kansas city. It's the chiefs. It's Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. They're, they're the best of the best for a reason, but it didn't feel like Jacksonville didn't belong. And that is huge. If you're a Jaguars fan, I, 
it felt like Jacksonville belongs in these games, in these rounds of the playoffs. And that is massive. That's such a great feeling if you're a fan base. Um, now, we'll get to the Bills later, but on the flip side, after years of being like you feel like you belong and not advancing farther than you'd like, that's when it can be really, really frustrating as a fan base. That's what the Bills are going through this morning. But the Jags are the beginning of this. Uh, and so it's 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 a really, really positive feeling for the Jags. Now, for the Chiefs, it's all going to be about Mahomes' ankle. I thought the Chiefs played really, really well in this game. Um, I thought the Chiefs were able to run the ball effectively. And, the, you know, the Chiefs have done that in their last couple of playoff runs. You know, it, at times during the regular season, they just – they have one of the most inconsistent run games. But Pacheco was just really, really a downhill runner at, at big moments when they needed to against a good Jacksonville defense. And um, and so that's going to bode well for them because, as we saw it, uh, with uh, the Bills in Cincinnati, you you need to be able to run the ball and and control the clock against the Bengals. And so if the Chiefs can develop a run game, especially with an injured Mahomes ankle, that's going to be huge for them. Uh, great to see that Patrick got back out there. I also love the storyline we're getting this morning now as we clear through the kind of the dust of the weekend that Andy Reid was not going to let Patrick Mahomes back in that game until he got an x-ray. And kudos to Andy. Uh, kudos to the training staff for being firm on that. Like, if you prove to me that ankle's not broken, then tape it up, sure, and get back out there. And they got the x-ray, not a broken, just a high ankle sprain. And now we're going to watch, you know, apparently the reports were yesterday morning. I saw, I think it was Schefter saying that Mahomes was feeling his ankles feeling better than they expected it to be feeling the day after the injury. But it's going to be that like Wednesday, Thursday of this week when the swelling is really settled in, when you haven't been practicing, oh, when you're yeah. just all you're doing is trying to rehab that ankle, uh, uh, you know, a, a four week rehab in in five days. Um, that it's going to be really, really interesting to watch for Mahomes. And uh, it, it it adds such a great little extra uh, bit of excitement to what will already be a great game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, the guy's a warrior. We've known this for quite some time that, uh, you know, he's he puts it all out on the field. And this kind of just further uh, reinforced that idea. I mean, we've seen it time and time again in the past. Joe Flacco, Philip Rivers playing on a torn ACL, yeah, doing whatever they could, you know, to bring their teams uh, to victory in the the most crucial moments. I thought it was pretty telling when Patrick Mahomes went out on that same drive that he got hurt because he noticed he realized the weight of the moment. Like, okay, we're up seven nothing, but these are the moments here where we have to we have to com continually apply pressure, um, and and they were able to do that. And and get that field goal. Actually, there was tied seven seven at that point. So they they really needed yeah. a scoring drive there from the Chiefs. And so you know Mahomes able to at least get them into field goal range and get a field goal, which um, apparently is not a given. Uh, Brett Maher, uh, but <laughs> hey, he's okay anyway. With field goals. What's that? He's okay with field goals. It's he was oh yeah, he was fine with point. field goals. Brett Maher was for the Dallas Cowboys. Just uh, can't can't seem to quite get the extra point thing down what a what a roller coaster that's been but yeah so to be able to get a score there for for the Chiefs I think was big and then obviously Henny kind of helped uh, put them over the top put them up by 10 good job on Jacksonville to come back and, and get three to make it a seven point game at the break make this you know well uh, contained 
and uh, give yourself some life, which they did. And they fought throughout. I mean, you know, Jacksonville will be back for sure. There's no question about it. And to your point about the run game, that is something that the Chiefs really have leaned on uh, in the postseason the last couple of years. Last yeah. year, we saw Jarek McKinnon, uh, you know, have a, a couple really good games. Uh, we saw McKinnon come alive, I believe, the year before, too. And well, Edwards Hilaire, his rookie year, I mean, he had that really nice postseason run. That was when they yes. lost the Bucks in that Super Bowl. They, it is. It's weird. And then maybe that's just Andy's. That's just kind of how Andy is as a coach. I mean, he understands the moment. And you got to remember, it's the playoffs, like in every sport, the, it is different football than the regular season. And the Chiefs, as explosive, explosive as they've been in their Mahomes career here now in this five-year run, um, they also are really, really good at just being able to sustain drives, like having – Long drives. And sometimes yep. the best defense in in the uh, NFL postseason is a, an offense that can hold on to the ball, run the clock, and stay on the field. I mean, that – and uh, credit to the Chiefs because we saw some other coaching staffs this week and not be able to do that. Yeah, and credit to their run game alternatives as well with the screens. They're the best screen team in the league and have yeah. been since Mahomes took over. But – Travis Kelsey, yeah, 14 catches, <laughs> man. 14 uh, catches. Yeah, you know. 98 he, yards, two touchdowns. What an incredible performance. That was he unreal. Really, he really is special. And and now, listen, the NFL is very different from even when um, Tony Gonzalez played as a tight end in the league. Yeah, And they open, you know, receivers used to not go across the middle. Tight ends used to not go across the middle because that's when Ray Lewis could just rip your head off. That's when... That's when, you know, linebackers could do that. Um, they can't do that anymore. Safeties, the, the Ed Reeves, the Troy Palomalos, the to, you know, uh, going all the way back to the Ronnie Lotts. Like, you you did not go across the middle. That was the defense's area. Everything had to be the numbers and out towards the sidelines. The Chiefs and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid have literally mastered the new rules of the NFL. It is a different NFL. My co-host on my morning show uh, Sam, she's a, you know, she's a football fan. Her, her husband's a big Steelers fan. Uh, I remember you met him during the wedding and all that. And they, Good um, man. he, um, you know, so they watched a lot of football. And one of the things she was watching with her husband just like a week or two ago, and she was asking me about it. She's like, she was watching that Peyton's places on ESPN. She's like, yeah. Mark, just throwing football from like the sixties and the seventies and the eighties. And she's like, it's a different sport. I mean, even yeah. someone like her can watch it and be like, that's a different sport. And it is. And, and the biggest thing that with the open, the middle of the field is open now. And in doing so guys like Travis Kelsey have just become absolutely unstoppable. And Gronk for a long time was part of that as well with Tom. And um, it's, it's really fun to watch for offensive football. And it makes every single team in the NFL. I think it every time I watch them, like I need that guy. You know, as much fun as it is to watch Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Stephon Diggs, look at what Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are doing. I mean, if you have a young quarterback or you have a you have a quarterback or an offense that you feel it needs to get to the next level and you, and you watch the Chiefs and what Kelsey does, you're just like, get me that. I need that. How do I get that? It's moving the chains, moving the chains, moving the chains, moving the chains. Uh, he's special, man. He's really good at reading coverages too. I mean, the way he, on those option routes, always seems to settle into the perfect gap 
Yeah. And uh, he's just waiting and they have, they have amazing chemistry. So that's, that's a, a credit to the system, but it's a credit to those two individual athletes and the, the chemistry that they've been able to, to garner to your point as well. When, when the, they were celebrating the immaculate reception uh, this uh, earlier this year with the Steelers and the Raiders, you know, my fiance grace had never seen the play. And so when she was watching the play, her, her first takeaway was, it looks so much, the game looks so much different, just how yeah. they move on the field. And I was like, yeah, I mean, the, the type of athlete today versus the athlete from the 70s or really oh, even yeah. the the 90s is very different. It's just uh, the speed at which they run. Obviously, a small part of that is the the size of the pads and like they had a lot more clunkier equipment. Uh, that they had to work with, but a lot of it too is just the type of athlete we're the, dealing with in today's the, day and age. The changes in the NFL from the conception of the league in the 20s through the 60s, I mean, that was 40 years of evolution and slow, methodical change. And then the game uh, around the late 60s, early 70s, through basically like the early 2000s was very much the same. It was built off of big physical linebackers, you know, 350 pound defensive tackles. And then you would, you went to your, the most important thing was to find a star running back and one big play deep threat wide receiver. And then you had a tall quarterback who could throw it over the top on those like play action, rare play action moves. Or, and then you just fed your running back. And it was the very rare uh, opportunities that you'd get a Marino or an Elway that would pop up who were just like, nope, a little different and they could really sling it consistently over the, and now right. the game is now the game is small speed linebackers, edge rushers. Like the, you want your physical edge rushers. So you can, you can rush the passer constantly, you know, Vince Wilfork, it, it might not make the NFL anymore. You know what I mean? Like that 350 pound six, three guy is just a not, it's a mute point. Like you don't need that guy playing nose tackle anymore. The William, the refrigerator Perry's. Um, yeah. and, uh, and who knows how the NFL will then adjust. Maybe eventually there will be a team like you're seeing it now, the Niners and the Eagles, as we'll talk about them soon. They're so big and so physical that Philly and Niners offensive lines. Unbelievable. So huge. Yeah. It, that that's going to that, be an awesome matchup to watch for it this is, next week. It is. And maybe that is, maybe that's the counterpoint is just saying, Hey, we're going to go out and we're going to build a team that looks more like an eighties football team. And we're just going to on offense and we're just going to pound these guys. You know, Roquan Smith's a great player and just got paid a ton of money. He would not have been a linebacker in the eighties and nineties of football. They would have been like a large safety. Like they, yeah. like you needed Brian Urlacher, six, three, two fifty. That was, you know, Ray Nitschke, six, two, two sixty. Like those guys were huge. It's just a, it's a, you're right. It's a different game. I know we're getting off track here, but, um, that's also my point we'll make here when we get to Dak, I'll kind of tie Kirk cousins in that last week. Again, it's that the quarterback, the modern quarterback, like what you need right now to be really successful in the NFL. Um, it's, it's becoming very specific what you're looking for. And, um, and there's, it's, it's very obvious when a team doesn't have it. Yeah. And you need mobility, of course. So that's the, the at the quarterback position, particularly, even yeah. if it's a Brock Purdy type of, uh, athleticism or an Aaron Rodgers type of athleticism. You need to be able to have guys that can move around because these defensive fronts are just too athletic uh, yeah. and they're, they're going to be able to get, 
pressure within two and a half seconds. Micah Parsons is one arming McGlinchey, an incredible lineman. Yeah, 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 and pushing him backwards uh, with uh, seemingly no effort. Uh, speaking of dominant lines, yeah, the Philadelphia dude. Eagles, fly, Eagles fly. were at home uh, in. You know, I was thinking about this too against the New York uh, Giants. That you know, outside like the Bears Packers obviously is like such a great rivalry. I think Steelers Ravens is, but you can't yeah. doesn't have the history uh, that a lot of these other teams do. The Eagles Giants that might be like one of the coolest like just raw rivalries that still yeah. exist in the sport. Really, the entire NFC East. So just seeing those two teams on the field in the postseason kind of felt special. It felt like intense and obviously Jalen hurts returning after several weeks uh, off with his injury. He looked a lot better. Didn't run nearly as much as maybe we anticipated, but he ran effectively when needed. And this game was much less about Jalen hurts lighting up the New York giants. And it was about that offensive line for Philly completely dominating Philadelphia rushes for 268 yards, three scores, to actually destroy New York 38 to seven Daniel Jones coming back down to earth after uh, a, a pretty probably his, you know, career best performance uh, in the opener uh, throws an interception, no touchdowns in this game. Saquon Barkley held to uh, 61 yards on just nine carries. It's just not going to get it done for New York. We knew that for them to win this game, Saquon was going to have to have a huge day. Yeah. Daniel Jones was going to have to replicate last week. And maybe they'd have a shot, uh, but they're blown up by 31. And it seemed like, yeah, the 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 right team advanced to the NFC Championship game. And I don't think there were many surprises. No, I, I'm a little mad at myself. Obviously, I predicted every single game right. Pat on my back here. Actually, our playoff record so far, we're both eight and two. We're probably locked in, yeah, because I I lost the uh, the Bengals Bills game there. Yeah, yeah I, I made my game back up on you. So, um, we, you know, we're both we both been seeing the playoffs pretty well. I think I'm mad at myself a little bit. My um, I had the Jags covering as my bet, one of my bets of the week, and I was happy about that happen. And I had. This is an over, and it missed the over by just a score. And it, and my, my thinking on that was with uh, not knowing the health of Philadelphia, I felt like the Giants were going to be able to maybe – they were going to come out more like we're going to have more trick plays. We're going to have just like throw everything at the wall and try to make this game chaotic. And they would get an, an extra score or a cheap score in some way, shape, or form there to keep it a little closer and to, and to make it a little bit tighter. Um but in reality, what we saw was a team that did not belong in this round of the playoffs. They did, uh, the, the Giants just are too far away. They've had a really nice special season, it's, and, and Dayball deserves a ton of credit. But they are about four B players and two A players adding to their roster away from being like, oh, they can, they can compete in, these, in this level of the postseason. Um I will say that um, the Eagles are just one of those teams that I don't know how sustainable the Eagles' long-term future is. I don't really care because right now they're a juggernaut. Right now they play a brand of football that is so important to play at this time of the season, and they have – Guys who can beat you. You know what I mean? Like 
when Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, like when their offense was humming like two years ago, when he won his MVP three years ago, it was a brand of football similar to the, what the Eagles are doing now where you're just like, God, they're just mauling you with this run game. But the difference is between that, is that they still and, have A.J. Brown and yeah, Devonta Smith. Yeah, and, that's, and, yeah. That's, and, 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 and they have a quarterback whose strength is like, I can throw a really good deep ball to guys who could just burn you. And, he, and he's accurate in the short stuff to where just get it into their hands and on a quick screen and let them go and get a chunk of yards too. So Philly, I, I, I will say this. I'm very high on Philadelphia. You know I have been all season long with the Super Bowl planes. I'm very high on Philadelphia uh, in this weekend's matchup. I'm not. We're not making official predictions on this show. We'll make them on social media, as we said, later in the week because I want to see how all the health plays out. Um, but I, I, I'm feeling right now this morning, I would be, um, I'd be a little st- stunned if it's not Philly in the Super Bowl. And Dan, when we preview the Niners Eagles, I'm going to refer to a tweet. So I'm going to save that for later, but I'm like at the end of that Niners game last night, when it started to become clear, it's going to be Niners Eagles. Um, there's going to be some real things to watch out for that. I think just favor Philly and we'll get to it when we, when we preview that game here in a bit, but Great win for the Eagles. You're absolutely right. Historic matchups. Um, and uh, and for the Eagles to kind of find their momentum and their groove, I think they were doubting themselves a little bit when the injury bug hit them late in the season. And you're, it's the worst time to get hit with the injury bug late, right? Because they had all this momentum. They were the last undefeated team. They were playing such great football. And then the injury bug hits it, and then you start to think, oh, my God, it's unraveling, it's unraveling, and that pressure. And so for them to come on out and Lane Johnson look good and and for the most part, Hurts look good, even though you can tell he's not 100%. Um, I, I think they found a ton of confidence back. And yeah. it feels it feels like Philly of week 13, week 14. And that is a scary, scary thing um, for the Niners and for both the teams in the AFC side of the bracket. Yeah, a performance like this could have two effects. It could have a positive effect of giving you that confidence, reinvigorating the team. It could also have the effect of complacency and, you know, thinking, Oh, we're all that. I think it's the former for the Eagles just because of, as you said, the way they ended the season, they needed this so badly. And I think it's only going to serve as a springboard for them going into next week. That's going to be one hell of a matchup to watch. Both of these are, Uh, but that game in particular to see which it's going to be, which trench wins the game. And that's that's what you always like look forward to with two powerhouse teams that run the football so well is which who's going to give and so i think that's going to be really exciting to see between the 49ers and the philadelphia eagles going forward all right so that wraps up saturday's games we'll get to sunday Bengals at the bills on a snowy buffalo afternoon three o'clock game buffalo puts up a stinker in this one just manages 10 points after you know, just a, a a really, really solid year offensively, of course, with Josh Allen at the helm, but they are unable to to get anything in the passing game going, really, with him at all. Forty two throws for Josh Allen in this game, uh, completes uh, just over fifty five percent of them for two hundred sixty five yards, no touchdowns, and a pick, an untimely pick at that. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow carving up the Bills defense and really. As you we alluded to at the beginning of this program here, it was all about the Bengals' ability to have a balanced attack, but really it was the run game 
that helps set everything up for them. So Joe, Joe Burrow, obviously super poised in the pocket. I mean, we're, we're not going to call him uh, the next guy to win seven Super Bowls, but he's the closest thing that we've seen to a Tom Brady type of quarterback in how he approaches each, ga- each game and, and his poise and confidence at such a young age. I mean, he's really been able to completely take over and take command uh, of the huddle and his teammates. He's mobile when he needs to be, but he definitely does all of his damage from the pocket, probably 95% of it from the pocket. And he did that again today. I mean, you needed the stars to show up. Jamar Chase has a a, a couple really nice grabs, including that touchdown in the back of the end zone. Uh, and then Joe Mixon, just, um, you know, solid 100-yard outing, uh, getting the touchdown as well. And the Cincinnati Bengals controlling that time of possession and route to a, a huge win, 27-10, Felt like it was a 30-point blowout, really, yeah. by the end of this one. Well, I will say, when I when I predicted this victory for the Bengals last week, and then I doubled down on my Saturday show, and when I when I said on that show, and, and, I, and I wasn't 100% confident when I said it, but I just felt deep down, the Bengals' defense has played really solid all year. And I, and I kept saying to myself, the ba- the Bills do not have Von Miller. The Bills went out and got Von Miller because of what happened to their exit last year where they felt like they just couldn't get Mahomes when they needed to in that game. They needed and, the pass rush. And they needed yep. the pass rush and and I just and I just felt like, you know what? Joe Burrow, if there's anyone who is good at playing behind a bad offensive line right now, it's Joe Burrow. He did it all last year. And so he's the the Bengals have the game plan to go on and say our offensive line can't block, how do, how can we still move the ball? And they were magnificent. They really were. I, they, um, a couple of thoughts. Let me start with the Bengals. If I'm a Bengals fan, obviously, um, I I I think you're not crazy with the with the Brady comparison, but I would put it more in the sense that this Bengals team reminds you of, you know, 2004 through 2018 Patriots where. The New England Patriots and Tom Brady's like the height of his dynasty, not early when they were still young, but by like 2004, 2005, when he really became a, a star and then through like 18, his, you know, his last year or two there in their last Super Bowl run, you it didn't matter if the Patriots were home, on the road, neutral site. You just felt like it doesn't matter. They have Brady. And they have, and and they they just know their identity. And the Bengals are starting to really feel like that. They are starting to really feel like, oh, it just just doesn't matter. They don't care, and it do, and it doesn't matter. Um, and that's scary. And Burrow is Burrow is the most accurate quarterback in postseason history, uh, right now. And that is uh, an incredible stat when you think of all the great quarterbacks who've had great runs in the postseason. Um, they are um. They are a complete team, and if they can get even slightly healthier and they can add a, one of those offensive linemen back, um, it, it makes them very, very intimidating. I will. I if I'm a Bengals fan, I feel confident. I we're three and zero against Mahomes. You, you, Zach Taylor out coached Sean McDermott up and down the field uh, yesterday, uh, and and I, I feel confident knowing that he will put a game plan together and be able to make adjustments if that game plan is not working. So you feel good if you're Cincinnati. And on the flip side, if you're Buffalo, you look at this game and you say to yourself, it's the same errors. And that's where I'd start to get frustrated with my coaching staff and my organization. 
Like it's three years in a row now where you don't, it's just all on Josh Allen. It's a second offensive coordinator. It was Brian Nabel now into Ken Dorsey where there's no run game. The offensive line play is just not good enough. And what have we been saying for the last like month? I know I've been saying it. I, 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 we talked about it in the show. When it's third and four to third and six, it doesn't feel like Buffalo has any plays. It doesn't feel like they have any identity on just like, oh, no, yeah, we can easily get a third and six. And a third and four, whatever, not a big deal. Because it's either Josh Allen just scrambles or Josh Allen throws a deep ball. And um, they need a they need a little bit of an overhaul, maybe. And maybe, and maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe if Vaughn Miller doesn't ever get hurt, they win that game. And maybe we're not overreacting. So Bengals fan, uh, Bills fans have got to be in their head this morning because I'm in my head and I'm not a Bills fan. I'm just trying yeah. to analyze it. You know what I mean? Um, no, it's a tough thing to square. It really it, is. It, it, you feel you feel like you don't know which way is up right now if you're Buffalo because I think it's right and rightful to say if you had had Vaughn Miller, um, that maybe you win that game easily. That you had to, you you went out and bought a game wrecker and your game wrecker wasn't there. Um, but then I also would say. As a coaching staff, I just felt re- I'd be really disappointed if I was a Bills fan of my coaching staff. It felt like they, they're, they're, you have a defensive head coach and you have Leslie Frazier, who everyone talks about Leslie Frazier, Leslie Frazier. He needs another chance. He needs another chance. Just like Todd Bowles. And his defense got absolutely gashed in the first quarter and they were embarrassing. They came out and had no answers at all. Even after the first drive, you're like, okay, here's what they're trying to do. There was no adjustment. There was no, now let's get a three and out. And so I, I just, uh, I'd be really frustrated if I'm Buffalo in that regard. That you're at home in the snow against three backup offensive linemen. You have a defensive head coach and a defensive coordinator that everyone seems telling me on when they I get your Bills broadcast, he needs to be a head coach. He needs to be a head coach. And you had no adjustments. You got gashed. Like, gashed yeah ken dorsey deserves a lot of uh, criticism as well i think for a bad offensive game plan but it was just bad coaching overall for buffalo regardless of if you had von miller or not um i'll save any more i i have more thoughts going forward if i'm a you know as far as for the afc championship game but i know we'll talk about that here in a second the final thing i'll say is um i i think what's really been impressive about cincinnati this year is that Joe Mixon is and that offensive run game is just something that can they can just rely on. And I tweeted it early after that first draw. After that, each team had a drive, and you know, Bengals scored and the Buffalo went three and out. It's like, oh, this is this is bad for Buffalo. Like the Bengals can just hand the ball off and feel confident. The Bills feel like they hand the ball off because it's like, oh, we should probably run a run play, shouldn't we? Yeah, we. It feels like we should run one. And it's and you could just totally tell that one team had a ton of confidence and the other team didn't and and nothing changed the rest of the game and that's that's brutal if you're a Bills fan at home in Bills weather. Yeah, we'll have to look at the metrics, you know, come season's end and everything because I'm interested to see just how much of the Bills' defensive dominance throughout the season was due to the fact that the offense put up early leads on a lot of teams and these teams really were not able to have their balanced attack. But if you're facing a team that can actually effectively run the ball and it's a close game, you know, the bills defense looked relatively pedestrian. I know the back end is, is pretty stout, 
but their front seven leaves a lot to be desired. You know, Matt Milano is the only guy that they could really rely on to make consistent plays. And it's like, you need a defensive line that can plug those gaps because not only does that take the run game away, but then you're, you're, you would be forcing the Bengals into some more predictable situations in general. You're giving your guys a much better chance uh, when, when you can't really peel back your ears and just rush the passer. Yeah. Uh, then, then you're leaving yourself open to getting gashed. That's what happened. I mean, that's uh it, it really wasn't anything mystical about it, as Mike Tomlin likes to say. It's straight up, they beat you, smacked yeah. in the mouth, and uh, and and that's how this one played out, right. and that's why you lost by 17. Right now, from top to bottom, if you wait, everything, owner, GM, coaching staff, players, it's I think it's fairly close between Buffalo and Cincinnati, like if you factor in everything. Like I like Buffalo's ownership a lot better than I like the Bengals and the, you know, they, we, we sure. know the story they're cheap. And, but when you factor in head coaching, uh, actual talent on the field, I, you, there isn't like ba- the Bengals are better or they're just better overall right now. And part of that is Joe Burrow is better at playing quarterback at this time of the year in this pressure. It seems like than Josh Allen. Josh Allen, and you got to remind, you got to remember yourselves. I mean, this is when, remember when Andy Reid could never win the big game? We'd be really critical of Andy Reid. We'd always say, listen, well, that's Andy Reid's September football when it's eight, it's 75 degrees and sunny. And, and yeah, there's no, there's no worry about it. Joe Burrow is seemingly like in this bad weather and the cold weather, it just doesn't affect him at all. And Buffalo's offense stalled in Buffalo weather. And I just don't understand how you as an organization can't look at that, that loss and say, we need to find a way to be able to our offense to win more games. Like San Francisco can run the ball and play the like, cause this is it. You're going to be winning your division. You're going to have home playoff games. You're going to be in bad weather in January in Buffalo, you're building a new stadium. Yeah, it's going to happen a lot. Yeah. It doesn't have a roof. So, like, you've got to figure that out. you just got to. 100% agree with you there. All right. Cowboys had the 49ers to round out the divisional round games. And, wow, this game was really close, Mark, throughout. I mean, and it really was the defenses that we anticipated uh, coming on full display and were really taking control of this game on both sides. They were the reason that this one kept close. It was nine, nine for a good portion. Uh, that's what the score was at the half. And then the Cowboys take a three point lead in the third, only then to have the uh, 49ers uh, hit on 10 points in the fourth quarter and then pull away with the 19 to 12 victory. Still that all being said, Mark, I, I always felt that the 49ers were much closer to hitting on their game plan than the Cowboys, if that makes sense. It yeah. felt throughout that the Cowboys really couldn't find any sort of rhythm. Of course, when Tony Pollard goes down, that's a huge loss because you lose your home run hitter in the run game. So really, it's going to be CeeDee Lamb that can get you a 60-yard touchdown at any point in time, and he's the only guy there. Whereas the 49ers have so many different ways that they can attack you. And they had moments of chipping away. It did feel like, man, at some point, they're going to break through. Christian McCaffrey's going to have his big run. Yeah. Debo's going to have the big moment. And really, it was at Kittle. the end of the day, it was Brock Purdy making big plays 
and some really clutch throws to Debo, to Ayuk, um, and to Kittle down the stretch there that really, you know, breaks this thing open. 49ers come away with the win. The better team won. I think we totally agree on yeah. that. And Dak Prescott just fell apart, man. Like he didn't, he he couldn't elevate the team when they needed him to be the guy. And that's really what it boiled down to. And similar in Josh Allen vein, like the Bills needed Josh Allen to have like a star game and they weren't able to get it done. The Cowboys needed on the offensive side for Dak to be the guy, especially when Tony goes down, just didn't happen for him. And Brock Purdy steals the show. Yeah, these these rosters are actually closer than you think. Like the like if you stood there, they, they really listened, are. Yeah, you listen to the ten best Cowboy players and the ten best Niners players. I mean, you you look at me like uh, I mean they go pretty much toe to toe. I think the difference is you have uh, we. I think we all tend to agree there's an edge in coaching to Shanahan and the Niners. Uh, Even though Mike McCarthy has had a really solid year and they have they have good in Dan Quinn and uh, Kellen Moore. Like there's a lot of good coordinators in this game. Like it's not a it's not a giant edge. So all things equaled out, and then what happened? One quarterback played better than the other quarterback, and it just so happened it was the seventh round Mister Irrelevant, not the forty million dollar star quarterback he played better you know he made less errors and when the teams are built in this way and are both equally good that's all it comes down to really I mean Dak it's not like they were out of the game it's not like it was 30 to 3 it's not like oh yeah they were in it the whole time there was every there was every single drive there was another opportunity for Dak to try to make a play for this offense of the Cowboys to scheme up like here's our drive here's our moment and they couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. And I feel very confident this morning on Monday, January 23rd, saying Dak Prescott, if he is your quarterback, this is it. Like, this is the peak of your season will go. You will you will be in divisional rounds, and and uh, and you'll have a chance at a championship game. Maybe you'll sneak into one. You'll have a chance at it. But this is the peak like that because now Dak is and our main way I wanted to bring up my Kirk Cousins thing. I tweeted during the game and I think it's really important for me to clarify this because if you follow me on Twitter and then you're listening here and you're like, well, wait a minute, what, what are you saying? Um, I will now forever rank Dak one spot ahead of Kirk Cousins anytime we do quarterback rankings. They're the same guy. I will rank Kirk, Dak one spot ahead because Dak got his team to the next level in the playoffs. Kirk did not because Dak was willing to sacrifice his body and actually run. And like, hey, it's a third and five, just squeak and run. And you have to do that as a modern NFL quarterback. That's what I was talking about earlier. You don't have to be Justin Fields. You don't have to be Josh Allen. You don't have to be Lamar Jackson. But you have to be able on a third and five sometimes to go, thanks defense, I'll take that. Next play. And like be willing to get hit. Kirk refused to do that because he wants to protect himself, get not get hit. Tom Brady refuses to do that now. He's also just too old. And you're even seeing it less and less. Aaron Rodgers is refusing to do that because he doesn't want to take the hits. Like it's it's going out of his game more. Russell Wilson took it like out of his game this year. Then you see what you saw what happened to him. So as soon as your quarterback is is either too old or starting to change that or never really does that, you, you're not going to advanced far enough. Brock Purdy's young enough, dumb enough, and 
and athletic enough to to willingly do that. I got screw it. I'm going to run for it if I got to do it. Um, I I also got a shout out to uh, to CD Lamb. That dude had a game. He had a real game. He and, did. Uh, he's uh, he's a terrific terrific player. Um, listen, Cowboys fans, I I if you're really upset this morning, I don't know why. I I really don't like. You, yeah, you, I mean, you should be pissed because you had a chance to win this game. But again, you're not going to, you're not, even if you then somehow beat your division rival in the Eagles, like you just don't have enough. Like you, you don't have a quarterback who has enough. Dak is, this is what Dak is, you know. See, he, I just don't feel like Cowboy fans are are admitting that to themselves. Yeah, I know. I think I know. They want to come up with with reasons that they lose a lot of things. It, it, it that is just what it is. I when was the last time we had a mediocre average quarterback win the Super Bowl? I mean, I really, the closest thing you could say was probably Joe Flacco, but he had an epic season and an epic playoff run. Yeah, but you just you can't like even if you're just good enough, like that's full, not like, good like, enough to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, Nick Foles, Joe Flacco had these incredible runs. And right, Foles. Yeah, that's a good point. Those yeah, are I mean, and those are those are outliers though. Those are outliers. Like overall, yeah. you need lightning you need in a someone, bottle. You need someone who's who's just more than more than consistent. Now for the Niners, and I know we're going to preview these games here in a, in a second, so I don't want to spend too much time on this. I'll say this: um, I I think they got there was there were times where I think they got lucky. I think there I think there were times that game watching you're like. Dallas is still in this game. I mean, it was six six. It was nine six. I mean, they could not put Dallas away. Dallas's defense and, and Dan Quinn called a hell of a game. And Dallas's defense is, I would say, not much better or just as good as Philly's. And I trust Philly's offense way more than I trust Dak and that Cowboys offense. So I I would say, and they were at home. So I would say there were times where I was a little disappointed in the San Francisco offensive line. Those holes, the running game did not open up early enough in that game to really help Purdy. Um, and I think they got a little lucky that their defense played lights out and shut down Dallas. And Dallas offensively, I think, called a pretty bad game. And Pollard got injured. That certainly helped them out as a ton. Um now they won the game. They did enough. Purdy did enough in the second half. And again, kind of like the first game of the playoffs, bad first half, nice second half. So now you got a little consistency where you're like, hey, this kid, he bounces back. He takes adjustments. He sees things. You can you can sell yourself on that if you're a Niners fan. But um I think you're I think you're you're the Niners looking back at this game, how they didn't really put away the Cowboys, it's a little concerning. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure that the talk for the week is going to be, wow, we really need to shore up some things if we're going to try and get a win next week and get to the Super Bowl. There, There's no question about it. Uh, you know, the Cowboys defensively uh, were a stout front and were really difficult, made, made things um, problematic in the run game particularly. So, yeah, they're going to have to definitely pay more attention to some of those details if they want to get a win against the Eagles, which you know, certainly match up similarly uh, on the the defensive side there as well. So that's what we have for the AFC and NFC Conference Championship games, 49ers at the Eagles, Bengals at the Chiefs, both games next Sunday. So the 49ers at the Eagles start things off at 3 o'clock on Fox, followed by the 6.30 AFC Championship game, Bengals at the Chiefs.
Yeah. And then we get forward, look forward to uh, the Pro Bowl week, which I've seen those commercials with Peyton and Eli. They're pretty awesome. And I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun too. I they, They've kind of hinted at a couple of the, you know, skills competitions that they're going to do. They got dodgeball and, and some other things like that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Way better, you know, back to basically the early 2000s of Pro Bowl skill competitions when we actually enjoyed watching the Pro Bowl. So looking forward to that. But obviously these games need to be decided before any of that gets underway. Just uh, we'll just give initial thoughts on these matchups. Of course, as we've you know mentioned a couple of times throughout the show here, not going to have a, a, a final prediction just yet, probably kind of mid to late week. Uh, once we get more information, but obviously we're going to be looking mostly at Patrick Mahomes and seeing what that situation is like Yeah, for him, the Bengals, you know, what's their offensive line going to look like. So th- there are a couple key, you know, factors going into that game with the 49ers at the Eagles, you know, that it's a tough job for San Fran, you know, that's not an easy flight. It's not a fun one to go all the way to the East coast, yeah. but they're going to have to, you know, make that trip in a hostile environment. You know, there are a few fans as rowdy and as uh, intense as Philly fans. So, they, oh, wow. you know, the environment should be good for sure. And like we've said, they they match up incredibly well, both of their fronts. It, it could We could be looking at a very similar game to what the 49ers-Cowboys game was, except, as you've mentioned, it's the Eagles offense that can really put things over the top. So my initial thoughts are I'm probably going to take the Eagles. And I've, that's kind of what I've had going into this uh, postseason, uh, late regular season. I had predicted Chiefs and Eagles. I really thought this was a year where the, the two one seeds were just that much better than the rest of the playing field. And that's kind of where I'm going to stick with this. I think it's going to be a Chiefs-Eagles uh, Super Bowl matchup. But obviously, either one of these can go either way based on how the opposing teams match up with the, these respective guys. You know, if it was uh, Chiefs-Bills, I would feel a lot better about the Chiefs than I do with the Chiefs-Bengals. Just yeah. the way that Cincinnati can beat you in a lot of different ways, and I'd feel better if it was Eagles-Cowboys uh, in this matchup. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what we have and should be good. I'm looking forward to it. But run game is going to be key, especially in that Eagles 49ers matchup. Christian McCaffrey, he's going to have to have like 150 yard total yard day with a couple touchdowns, in my view, for the 49ers to win. I don't think they're going to be able to get it done just with Brock Purdy lighting it up with George Kittle over the middle and some Debo plays. It's going to have to be heavy run and it's going to have to be early and often. Yeah, I um, you know, I'll say this. I, I'm looking at the lines here now. That's what I've been staring at. I As of noon today, I took a screenshot of this at noon from the Barstool Sportsbook. Um, Philly's favored by two and a half, over under 45 and a half. And, um, I, you know, to me, I think Philly should be favored. They're the one seed there at home. Um, but, but the two and a half is telling you on a neutral site that, you know, they it, they would lean this as more of like a pick'em at, at this point, and I think I think that's fair. I think Philly be, playing this game at home is is really important. The Philadelphia crowd is insane. Look at the weather last when you went from those games yesterday from Buffalo where it's cold and snowing to then they cut to Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt in Santa Clara, and it's like right, it's beautiful. Got a sweater yeah. on, but it's not. It's <laughs> nice out here. Um, it's probably going to be rainy, wet, cold in Philadelphia. I think um, 
well, again, my my gut's leaning towards Philly. My gut's leaning towards the under. Kind of like that at forty five. I might try to. I would agree with you now. there yeah. because I, I I I see this game as twenty four thirteen. It is a bloodbath. Like I I will I said I tweeted this out. This is what I was mentioning earlier with the tweet that I wanted to bring back up. The winner of the AFC game will probably have a huge advantage because the winner of the NFC game is going to come out of this game bloodied and broken and bruised because this is like, these are the two most physical teams in football. Like, I mean, this is giant offensive line versus giant defensive line versus a giant offensive line with a giant defensive line. Then both these teams want to pound the run. Both these teams want to hit big plays with their weapons uh, because they're building a run game first. And uh, this is going to be smash mouth football. There's going to be a lot of running clock. There's going to be a lot of run calls. There's going to be a, a lot of, you know, set it up for hopefully hitting a big play. I think Philly's uh, defense can hang with the Niners just as much as uh, Dallas's did, but I trust Philly's offense to score more. So I'm leaning towards Philadelphia as well. I'll make it official. We'll make our official picks again at the end of the week. And then Cincy Chiefs, uh, as of noon today, it was a pick em. No one's yeah. And so the line's been been circling. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that Mahomes is injured. Now, there's two things at play. The Chiefs actually have a defensive line with Chris Jones and Carl Loftus that could take advantage of the beat-up Bengals O-line. That Bengals O-line had a hell of a day. One sack given up for two yards um, with three backups playing in shifted positions. It was an incredible, incredible day. Um, And so I don't think they're going to have that great of a day. But on the flip side, the Bengals have a ferocious defensive line. And Mahomes, if he's going to play, but what you're going to lose from Mahomes is it doesn't matter. He can throw off platform. He has arm strength. He can do all the weird angles. He's never throwing on just set drop anyways. But what makes Mahomes really special is when the pressure comes, he can like shift and move just that little bit in the pocket or roll, do a spin and kind of roll. I don't know how much of that we're going to get from Mahomes. That that fits magic part of, of Patrick Mahomes' uh, brilliance. Um, that makes me lean towards the Bengals. I, you know, it's one of those things where Joe Burrow's 3-0 against Mahomes. It, it, it feels to me as though uh, he's just got – they got a number. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, as of right now, I'm glad we're not picking the games because I, I need more time to make an official pick. If, you, if, you ha- if I had to pick right now, I'm leaning towards the Bengals. I really am. I just um, – hmm. uh, but, but um, I think Kansas City is also one of those teams that Mahomes makes him so special is he plays with an edge. Like he doesn't forget. And I do think that that loss at home, they were up in that game last year in the championship game. Remember, they kind of collapsed in the second half, and they had drives that stalled. Um, I, I don't think Patrick Mahomes forgets about stuff like that. He's a motivated. He has a chip. He's got an edge, an anger edge to him. But I'm leaning towards the Bengals right now, but we'll see. Make the official picks. I do say the over 47 in that game, I also feel like we got an under in that. I hate it because you like points, but I, I think with a beat-up Bengals offensive line, a beat-up Patrick Mahomes, 
20. Yeah, they, they could try and slow this game down. 24-17 type of win for whichever team wins feels maybe right. I So I kind of like the unders in both these games right now. I'll just tell you that. Uh, and I'm I'm leaning as of Monday with Eagles, Bengals. You're leaning Eagles, Chiefs. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll make official picks. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, puts it over the top for me. I just think he's uh, he just adds that much special. But uh, it is gonna we're gonna have to see how much mobility he actually does have because uh, you know that that is ninety percent of his game is off platform and ad lib type of who stuff. Do you, who so, do you think the, who do you think the pressure is on more? The Bengals or the Chiefs? Wow, that's a good question. To me, to I, me, obviously, I think the, the pressure is on, just like the pressure was on Buffalo. The pressure is on Kansas City. I feel you, it's I, it's on Kansas City, too. You've hosted it, it, now, they were the one seed as well, you know? You've hosted five straight AFC Championship games. Lost to New England, won, got to a Super Bowl. Um, then you won, lost to Tampa Bay, and then you lost to Cincy last year. So you're, you know, you're two and two in AFC championship games. You're hosting your fifth straight in six years of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I, I hate to say it, but I, I feel like the pressure is on Kansas city um, to, to, you know, to get that second one. You know what I mean? Look at, look at Aaron Rodgers career. If he had had the second one, or you know what I mean? How, how different number two makes it. You know, there's a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow to win one, um, and 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 Allen to win one, and now Lawrence and 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 uh, and you know Herbert and all these guys. Like you got to get one, you got none. But getting two is once you get one, the most important thing you do is get two, and like get yeah. it as quickly as possible. Get to the second, yeah, because then you're set. I mean, you are set, set. Um, if you get, if you get, yeah, it's rare for quarterbacks to get those two Super Bowl. I mean, we've, we've seen the the list, you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, the, it, it, it shrinks considerably from the one Super Bowl winners to this two Super Bowl winners. Uh, the only thing I would say is that the Bengals do have some pressure in that you get, you want to get that Super Bowl win while Joe Burrow's on his, you know, Rookie deal. cheaper deal. And yeah. Because once you start having to pay him, and then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay him and Chase pretty much around the same time. T. Higgins is gonna want well, an extension at that. Remember, you know, and, Higgins is on the same Higgins and Bro are the same draft class, so you got to pay yeah. them both now. And then exactly. Chase is the next a year, year later. So right. um, I know it's uh, it's and a, I mean, what are you gonna do with Hubbard? And you know, like you're gonna want to contain some of that defensive front that you know is so pivotal in that division and in that conference and the best thing the Bengals can do is to look at Allen and Burr and Mahomes's contract and just copy it we need to go right. with with Burrow I'm comfortable going eight to ten years I'm not comfortable going eight to ten years with Lamar I'm not I'm sorry but with Burrow right. I am so yeah. uh and so and so you look at that so you can spread it and move the spread the cap hit and make it a little friendlier uh, but you're absolutely right. It, it is. It's a interesting thing to think about when you're picking a game. Which team's under the most pressure? If it's tight, and you feel like everything's fairly equal, sometimes the team that's playing with less pressure, i.e., the Bengals yesterday, it looks easier for them. Some guys. Some teams are just you know have that feeling like they're playing with house money, and that is a dangerous thing. That's what you know Jacksonville with uh, against the Chargers seemed to. Yep have they that you know that especially fight. after that first half they were like oh well we got there's nothing to lose now let's just go yeah. scorched earth and uh it turned into to one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history so 
going to keep tabs on these matchups for sure. Be be sure to you know follow us on uh, social media on Facebook, on Twitter at FB Lounge Pod. Check there for our mid to late week finalized predictions for this game. We'll also have our bets of the week that we put out every week as well. Mark does a great job with those. So just be sure to check that out and uh, see where your opinions stack up with ours. But in the meantime, you can always let us know what your thoughts are uh, on in the link to this episode that we put out there every Monday as well. So hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you back here next week on the football lounge with Mark and Dan. Mm-hmm.